0: You can support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by purchasing a cell phone case from Crossway, crossweh.com slash LPR. You'll find cell phone cases for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, and Luther's Seal with the Reformation Solas, crossweh.com slash LPR. A percentage of your purchase will support Issues Etc., Cross weh.com slash LPR. There's a word
1: in Korean, it means providence or fate.
2: Do you believe in that?
1: That's just something Koreans say to seduce someone.
0: good story this is. Childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realize they were meant for each other. In the story, I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. Shut up. He was
1: just this kid in my head for such a long time. I think I just missed him. Did he miss you? Scenes from the movie Past Lives. What is a worldview of a movie that... Spans decades. It's a love story, perhaps a love story that does not end happily. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll be reviewing the movie Past Lives with Pastor Ted Geese. Pastor Tom Baker joins us after that to teach a Sunday school lesson on the birth of John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1. Michael New will be alongside to discuss two issues. A journal is retracting three studies showing the health risks of chemical abortion and a report on the increase in Texas's fertility rate since the passage of their gestational limit laws. And we'll discuss dechurching in America, part two of a conversation with Michael Graham, author of the book The Great Dechurching. Pastor Ted Geese has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He's pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. And he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. Ted, welcome back. Thanks, Todd. Why is this film being reviewed as poignant, a love story for the ages kind of a thing?
3: Well, it's definitely a romantic drama. We'll put it that way. Love story for the ages, I would say that this is in the category of unrequited love. So it's more in the kind of tragedy end of things. If you're expecting people, like if you want a romance where they get together in the end, that's not what you're going to get here. Do you remember uh, that years ago there was this uh, movie called *The Remains of the Day* with Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson? Yes, and like they loved each other, but they couldn't get together. It's kind of that was an upstairs, downstairs kind of Downton Abbey kind of style kind of thing. This is a world apart from that. But the idea that they it was not going to work out in the end. I didn't want to like spoil this immediately as soon as we started, but. For people who are interested in this film, if you're going into a romantic drama, hoping that the characters get together in the end, that's not what happens here. And there's reasons for all of that. And we'll get into it as we go.
1: What is the plot?
3: Basically, what you have here is the story of this man and a woman. and It starts off with them being junior high kind of aged kids in South Korea. And they liked each other, and they've known each other from childhood, and they've kind of started to notice each other, maybe in a romantic kind of a way. But then the girl immigrates to Canada, leaves South Korea. And when that happens, the two of them get separated. But before they go, they have like kind of a chaperoned date together. And then years later now, the story picks up with them reconnecting via... Facebook as Facebook was getting going back in the day. And then they started to kind of just started to have this kind of online relationship with each other from a distance. And eventually there's an opportunity for travel. The central character of Nora ends up, this is the girl ends up now an adult woman, ends up in New York City the boy, now a man comes to New York city and they do actually have a chance to see each other in person, but a lot of it's via online kind of related stuff. So, you know, then the question is how do what's going on in their lives, you know, how does it all kind of come together or will it ever come together? What's going on with all of that? And just kind of the reason it's called past lives is because they have this past life from their childhood that is impacting their current life now but there's more to that title of the film even than that
1: i understand that there's a korean word that's used occasionally in this film that makes reference to the buddhist concept of if we met in this life then we must have met in previous lives
3: yeah and i think this is something that's interesting like if Dear listener, you know, like when you come to watching a film, you bring with you your confession of faith. So like as a Lutheran, I come to that and I'm always looking to see if there's some sort of other worldview, some sort of other religious kind of ideas that are kind of cropping up in the movie or whatever it is that I'm watching. So there's this idea of In Yun, which is I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but this Korean idea well, it's, it comes from Buddhism and the idea of reincarnation. And reincarnation is this Eastern idea that a person will basically come back over and over again, one life after another life, after another life, after another life, and maybe they're working their way to some kind of enlightenment, that kind of a thing. Now, this is very different from the Christian understanding of life and death, in which we have the promise of the resurrection of the dead at the last day, when we would have our physical bodies back again, and we would go into eternity, body, soul, mind, all reunited, and we don't have multiple lives to work our way through towards some sort of enlightenment. Our life is in Christ Jesus. So the idea of reincarnation is something that is outside of Christian teaching. It's outside of what we find in scripture and the promises we have in Christ. So when you watch a movie like this and all of a sudden out of the blue, this idea of past lives comes up, then you need to start to ask yourself, okay, so how does this fit in with what I believe and what should I be taking away from all of this? So in particular, the reason it comes up in this film is that it's this concept of providence or fate, but it's specifically about relationships between people so it kind of posits this idea that individuals keep bumping into each other in all of these past lives and maybe in future lives as well so the question about these two unrequited or this complicated relationship that these two people have is that perhaps maybe in the past they'd already had these romantic relationships maybe in the future they are going to be having some kind of romantic relationship. But right now in this life at this juncture, they're, they're not going to be able to have it, you know, that they, they're just not able to make it happen this time around. And one of the reasons that it's not going to happen is that in the intervening years, Nora has actually gotten married to this guy named Arthur, and now she's unavailable. And I think this is an interesting part for, like, when I was talking about, like, well, how does this relate to what, as a Christian, you might be thinking about when you look at a movie like this and when you get presented this idea inside of a a film like this? Now, she's the character of Nora is kind of in a spot where she's figuring out okay, so I'm married to Arthur, I've got this past individual that I kind of loved as a kid, even. And there's this strong romantic draw there, but I'm married. So what as a Christian can we say when it comes to marriage in this way? And this kind of goes across the board probably into various other cultures. But when you're having a wedding service, let's say, like you're having an actual service where we have holy matrimony and people are getting married, uh, a man and a woman are getting married, there's this one little phrase that pops up. Do you know where I'm going with this, Todd? I don't think so. Okay. So I was just talking about the sixth commandment with some confirmation kids last week. So we were looking at the service for holy matrimony in the Lutheran service book. And there's a spot in there where each of the couples, like each of the, you know, the man or the woman within the couple that are getting married, they get asked whether they're going to forsake all others right, if they're going to forsake all others for the person that they're being married to. And this plays out in this film, is that the character of Nora has to, she's being presented with an opportunity to reconnect with this person from her past. She's married and she is forsaking all others. And that's part of the drama and the tension that underlies the film.
1: How do they produce this gap, in some cases a decade or something like that, in this film where they're jumping forward in time, not just by a couple of years, but by many years?
3: They do it by including kind of period piece online stuff, right? So, like, the computers are a little older, like, the interfaces and stuff look the way. Facebook used to look like many, many years ago, like, so it has this kind of period piece kind of thing going on in some of the, uh, periods of time. And it's not that big a stretch. We're not talking about like from the 1930s to the 1980s or something. So there's not as much of, uh, changes, but there's little details that kind of provide you with that. It's a really well-produced and well-made film, and it's pretty smart with how it uses its uh, budget. It's an independent film, it's an indie film, it's not like some big giant studio film. The director here, Celine Song, was nominated in the Golden Globes for Best Original Screenplay and also for Best Director for this film. She didn't win. The winner for the Screenplay Award was the duo who wrote Anatomy of a Fall And also then for the best director, it went to Christopher Nolan. But one of the reasons why we wanted to look at this film, or I wanted to look at this film, was that it's also nominated for some Oscars. So it's nominated for Best Motion Picture and also Best Original Screenplay. And of course, Celine Song is the writer and the director of the film. And Celine Song herself, she's a Canadian. But she's a Canadian by immigration. So she grew up in South Korea, immigrated to Canada, and is lives in Ontario. So she kind of has personal experience with legal immigration into another country. And what all of that means in the film, you know, her mother, when she was still a young girl, is talking with the other mother of the boy. and they're like well why why are you going away to like leaving south korea and she says it's true that if you leave you lose things but you also gain things too so there's some real insight into the immigrant experience and how that all interacts with everything and of course one of the things is is that the guy arthur that she marries this nora he's not korean so he's not south korean and That also has a bit of the tension in this story is in there, but they do a good job because they don't really have to, it's not a big, gigantic leap of time. So they, they can kind of carefully on the small end of their budget, make it all work because there's not a lot of characters. It's not a big sweeping epic. It's really a a character study of these, these individuals and how they uh, react to each other once they found each other again. And how that interacts with their lives.
1: Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. We're reviewing the movie Past Lives. On the other side, Christian Symbolism. He's dressing up to be there too And we're gonna have a ball Just like we always
2: do Saturday night at the movies Who cares
0: what picture you see this week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue on in James with Let Him Ask God, Temptation's Path, The Implanted Word, No Partiality, and The Royal Law. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. How did God address the
1: Gentile nations through the prophet Isaiah? What is God's message to his own people regarding both judgment and consolation? And how does Isaiah's divine message apply to us today? Find out in the new Concordia Commentary on Isaiah, chapters 13 through 27. Learn more at IssueZTC.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1 800 325 3040. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February, the Concordia Commentary on Isaiah 13-27. through
2: Educating a new generation of Lutherans. You're listening to Issues Etc. At Our Savior Lutheran Church in Winchester, Virginia, you will hear God's Word faithfully preached every Sunday. We invite you to join our growing family of believers this week and every week for Education Hour beginning at
3: 9 a.m., followed by Divine Worship at 10 a.m. For more information, find us on the web at oursavior-lcms.org. That's oursavior-lcms.org.
2: Memoria Press is a worldwide leader in the publishing of classical Christian education. We have everything you need for students in kindergarten through 12th grade, and our materials can be used in any classroom setting to suit your needs. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 to save $5 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time.
1: Welcome back to Issues Etc. We're reviewing the movie Past Lives with Pastor Ted Geese. He teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled The Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. The Lutheran Witness Magazine interprets the world from a Lutheran perspective. The battle for the Bible in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod is the theme for the February issue. The themes for future issues include Living in Christian Hope, the Resurrection, Prayer, and more. cph.org slash witness or 1-800-325-3040. The Lutheran Witness Magazine. Ted, is there Christian symbolism in past lives? This is
3: not not, not really. I, I, there's not really a bunch of Christian symbolism in this film. Like like we said, you know, if it's going to have any kind of religious kind of connotations in it, it's more Buddhist in nature. Especially when it gets down to like the kind of bigger questions. Now, interestingly, it's maybe kind of culturally Buddhist because at one point when they're talking about like this Yun idea comes up. But here's the thing, it's like, it comes up and it's kind of quickly dismissed, although it it is interwoven into the whole idea of the film, but the characters themselves dismiss it because essentially there's a conceit to it all, that this only really comes up when somebody's trying to seduce somebody else, like within Korean culture. So it's not that they necessarily believe that it's true, but that it is kind of a Thing that exists within their culture that comes up when couples are trying to convince each other that they're going to get into some kind of real romantic relationship, because it, this is kind of like quote unquote romantic that oh we've had all of these past experiences and oh we're going to have all these we're going to be with each other forever etc cetera, etc. Cetera. If anything, there's going to be more Buddhist ideas that are in here. Arthur, the husband of Nora, he comes from a, I think a Jewish background. So one thing that does come up is this kind of idea of like well would our lives have been different if this didn't happen like this and if this didn't happen like this and if if this didn't happen like this what would our lives look like and both characters have to ask that of each other and also the character of arthur the husband of nora has to ask this of himself too and how does he fit into all of this and there's some insecurities there because this boy from the past who's a man is South Korean and he has some insecurities about all of that. But in terms of like Christian symbolism, you're not going to find a lot of Christian symbolism in the film.
1: So what worldview, I mean, you had mentioned kind of a culturally Buddhist, what worldview would you say is evident in this film? Well, I mean,
3: it's a religious when it comes to Christianity, like for sure. And yet there is, this is kind of an interesting part of it is that there's still this, I guess you could kind of go to the idea that we find in scripture of like God's law being written on the heart. So even outside of a Christian context where you're not going to find a lot of Christian symbolism in the film, you're not going to find Bible passages or anything like that, like quoted along the way. And you do have these kind of, Buddhist notions are running through the film, if, if only culturally and not religiously. At the same time, you do have this idea of like being faithful in a marriage. And that's, I think, kind of important. And also like what I was talking about is this idea of forsaking all others, not letting other people get between you and your husband or you and your wife. So these are kind of things you're going to find inside this film and it's written in such a way that that tension there provides you with the drama as you're watching the film and it's very well written when it comes to comes to that i think one thing that audiences will perhaps be given the opportunity to contemplate while watching it is their own past and their own present and, you know, it provides an opportunity for people to be thankful for what they have in their own relationships, let's say. And also it starts to delve into questions of, let's say, regret. Am I happy with what I have? Is there something I regret from my past? How does that all work out? What does that mean for my present? What does it mean for my future? So these are the kinds of things you, you find in this. So in terms of a worldview, maybe it's if it it is culturally Buddhist and not actually Buddhist, let's say, and it's not Christian, you basically have now. So you could maybe say that it has a materialist underpinning to it. But what do you do with right now? And that's a question that spills over the banks into what we consider important as Christians as well
1: what pastoral concerns would you express
3: well again this is you know getting into the area of into the sixth commandment area of things so the questions i would say that this movie poses is jesus talks about how you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery but i say if you even look at a woman with lustful intent you've committed adultery with her in your heart So it's not the actual consummation of having the sexual liaison, let's say, or the affair. At what point are you breaking the Sixth Commandment? This is something that is interwoven also in this film, particularly as they're kind of coming back together again, and in terms of having some kind of a connection with each other. Because this applies not just inside of marriage but it also applies outside of marriage as well so being faithful and not being involved with people in ways that you're not supposed to be involved with them one problem that happens often in these kind of romantic dramas is a romanticization of adultery and this is a very gentle film that doesn't you know it's not right up in your face about everything, it gets maybe into some of the more deeper nuances of all of it. And thinking about emotional related uh, things. And this is where perhaps the viewer who's watching this may want to spend some time thinking about how well they're keeping the sixth commandment themselves in terms of their relationship, in terms of their life as a Christian in the world that they live in. So I would say don't watch a romantic drama or romantic comedy and let it slip by where you don't contemplate these things because this is providing you an opportunity to think about the Sixth Commandment, not just in relationship to the film itself, but also in relationship to you and the life that you're living.
1: Pastor Ted Geese has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He is pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, and he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. You will find a link to his movie reviews at issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Ted, thank you. Thank you. We will be teaching a Sunday School lesson on the birth of John the Baptist in Luke Chapter 1 with Pastor Tom Baker of Law and Gospel next
0: can support the worldwide outreach of Issues etc by purchasing a cell phone case from Crossway crossweh.com/lpr you'll find cell phone cases for Issues etc Lutheran Public Radio The Word of the Lord Endures Forever and Luther's Seal with the Reformation Solas crossweh.com/lpr a percentage of your purchase will support Issues etc Cross com slash LPR.
2: If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Dr. Russell Dawn, president of Concordia University, Chicago. Indeed, the quest for truth is at the core of a university's purpose. The liberal arts illuminated by the revealed truths of scripture are powerful for equipping students for a life of self-governance. A disciple is one who follows the master. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? He said that it means to take up one's cross. The cross is thus the symbol of dying for others, of dying to self for the sake of serving others. And a life of service is a life well lived. Truth. Freedom. Vocation. Concordia University, Chicago. Cuchicago.edu.
3: This month marks the 50th anniversary of the walkout of faculty and staff from the Concordia Seminary St. Louis campus in 1974. If you've ever wondered about Seminex or the walkout and what they were all about, now's your chance to learn more. Pick up the February issue of The Lutheran Witness. You can purchase that at CPH, visit
2: cph.org slash witness, or learn more at our website, witness.lsms.org, The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Truth, beauty, goodness. You're listening to Issues Etc. The order of events is wrong. This is Ken Ham, editor of the helpful series, The New Answers Books. Could God have used evolution and the Big Bang to create? Well, some Christians say yes, but what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says God created Earth on day one and the sun and stars on day four. But the Big Bang says the sun and stars came millions of years before the Earth. In Genesis, we read God created the plants on day three and the sea creatures on day five. But according to evolution, life evolved first in the sea and then on the land. The Bible says birds were made on day five and land creatures on day six. Evolution has land creatures long before birds. No, creation and evolution certainly don't mix.
0: Have questions about the truth of God's word, creation, and evolution? Find answers when you go to our award-winning website at AnswersRadio.com.